Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome, everyone, to the latest edition of BAMS Radio here on this Sunday as we take a look back at the road victory for the University of Alabama, the physical domination of the second half, 26-20, to 20, over the Texas A&M Aggies, Alabama outscoring the Aggies in half number two, 16-3, on the way to the big road win, 10 out of 12 now, Alabama has beaten the Texas A&M Aggies since they came to the SEC, Nick Saban now 30-3 and three against his former assistants and has beaten Jimbo Fisher now two in a row after that loss two years ago. The Aggies came in, the favorites by many people. Uh, I know it was interesting to watch the spread move. I had gone from seven, seven and a half last Sunday, all the way down to a point on Friday, Alabama, the the, the very slight favorite. And then I thought it was very interesting, went up to back to two and a half in the hours leading up to kickoff on Saturday. Somebody knew something. As Alabama comes out with the 26 to 20 win, watershed for uh, you know Jalen Milrow and I said last week that this would be a fork in the road game for him. Thought he played his best game in a Crimson Tide uniform. Thought he needed 20 completions. Uh, he got 21. Thought he needed 300 all-purpose yards. He threw for over 300, which is not something I was anticipating. Three touchdowns, only one pick. Uh, he did an outstanding job yesterday, with all things considered. Only made one, you know, double-digit run in the game. Uh, but, you know, and I think that's his next step in his evolution is starting to use his legs because, quite frankly, as this offense evolves, he's becoming Alabama's most dangerous weapon. But a huge win for Alabama. The defense continues to get better. Uh, and they made, I thought they dominated the second half. And then special teams. Uh, you know, I, I said they had to make a big play in that regard, and they did. Should have been a touchdown on a blocked field goal. Stupid penalty, but I also thought it was a shaky call. But, but you know, valuable lesson for Dallas Turner. You just don't touch anyone because sometimes these officiating crews are looking for anything. So, again, just, you know, learn from it. Alabama, luckily, you know, was able to survive it. And then just uh, – and then Will Riker, yeoman's work, having to come in for burnup, had a muscle pull. So, again, I felt like coming into the game, Alabama was better. Special teams, defense. But they were going to have to prove it offensively. They certainly did. And I thought Tommy Reese had a huge second half. And we're going to discuss that and more with the cohorts right now. Thomas Wizard Watts in Mobile keeping us on the air. He's going to have some of his takes as well, both analytical and thoughts on the game. And then, of course, from 89 to 93, William Redfish Barger, a national champion in 92. And, William, uh, I know you had to block uh, a couple of – uh, you know, all Americans in practice during your time at UA and then Copeland and Curry. But I'm going to tell you what, that defensive line the second half reminded me a lot of your former teammates on Saturday. Well, and that's that's my biggest takeaway from the game, Drew, is, um, you know, I think this defense is really starting to um, come into its own, especially along the defensive line. I thought Justin Abogby had his best game of his career at Alabama. Um, you know, five tackles, you know, basically two sacks. 
Um, you know, Tim Keenan played his best game of his career. You know, they rotated a lot of guys in and out of there. Jaheim Hodis had a good game. Um, obviously, you know, Braswell and Turner, are, you know, a two-man wrecking crew coming off the edge. Um, you know, you got to see Caleb Downs have his first uh, college interception, uh, which I thought was a big turning point in the game, following, you know, immediately following Milrose's interception. It kind of took away that momentum. But I was just very pleased. I mean, um, you know, I think A&M had less than 70 yards rushing and less than 250 yards passing. Alabama, you know, created some turnovers. Um, I thought the block field goal was huge. Um, and, and, you know, th there was some, you know, missed coverages and, you know, some other stuff along the way. But, you know, I, I just really think when that unit needed to – you know, be counted on and, and to get stops. You know, there was a goal line, several good, you know, uh, short yardage and goal line exchanges. But but to me, um, you know, and, and as a team in its whole, um, you know, I think what they're going to have to do now is, is start working on, you know, this is the second game in the, in the last couple of weeks where they've just come out and, you know, looked really, really average um, in the first half and not gotten off to a fast start. A lot of that has to do with penalties. A lot of it has to do with poor execution. Um, you know, they, they've gotten away with it twice against A&M and, and uh, Ole Miss, uh, but I think there's two teams left on this schedule, uh, the same two teams in LSU and Tennessee that took advantage of those types of things last year um, that could still prove to be dangerous for this, this team. Um, you know, they've got to put together a four-quarter performance and and stop giving the other team opportunities to get back into the game. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I mean, definitely they, they, uh, they did, uh, you know, allow, I guess, A&M, in effect, to hang around. Uh, they probably should have pulled away. Uh, you know, the, the, the blindside block, that doesn't need to happen. That should have been a touchdown. There was even opportunities uh, in the fourth quarter on driving the football, too. Uh, you know, and I'm not going to fault Burton too much. I mean, it was a second and third effort, but you can't fumble there because Milrow was in a good rhythm. Uh, he tried to break a tackle and then got stripped. You need to hold on to the football there, uh, no doubt about it. And then in the first half, part of the – I know William's talking about the slow start. Part of it was a couple of drops. Because I, I thought the ball placement for Milrow was really good on that third down out to uh, to Burton. He's got to catch that ball. He can't let that ball be, you know, knocked away from him. And then one time, Nye Black, he got he, he took some contact, didn't catch the ball. Uh, you know, so they he had a couple of drops. But I thought overall, though, Milrow threw the ball with confidence, conviction, uh, made several plays. Uh, and then again, William, I want to go back to it, and we kind of were alluding to it in the, you know, before we started uh, the show. Alabama, you know, offensive line wise, they couldn't really get much going via the run, especially in the first half. They were starting in effect their third string right guard in Jaden Roberts. Uh, of course, uh, you know they, and of course we know that they've had some snap issues. I thought they were it was better in this game. Still a few, a couple though, uh, from Seth McLaughlin. And then, uh, you know, obviously they were still rotating Bridget and Proctor at left tackle. I, I, overall, what did you think of the performance of the offensive line uh, in this game at A&M? Well, I mean, I think it, it went, you know, exactly the way we thought it would on the ground. And uh, that was the, 
you know, the, the biggest thing to me um, offensively, um, you know, I thought uh, Milrow played a great game in the second half. There was still a lot of very um, nerve-wracking things that he did and didn't do in the first half. But as far as the offensive line goes, I thought 77 was an upgrade from what I've seen so far. Wow. Um, in uh, this part of the season, when he gets his hands on you, you go backwards. And when you factor in him having to make his first start in the atmosphere that he did, um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to be the starter the rest of the year, but for him to be thrown into the fire against that front seven um, and, and, you know, uh, some of my former teammates, several of them are, you know, former offensive linemen, they didn't realize that Dow Court was, was uh, you know, hurt. They knew that Ferguson was, and uh, they were very um, happy and um, thought he was a, a great, you know, coaching move. And I had to explain later that, you know, Dow Court's hurt again. But, you know, I thought some of the illegal procedure penalties that were called against him were tic-tac-y. Um, but when you break it down um, as to where he was on the depth chart and what he was asked to do, um, you know, he gets a B minus in my book and that's about all you can ask for. But, um, you know, there's some going to be some things that the offensive line gets blamed for that wasn't their fault. Um, the, uh, the blitzer that came outside that speared Milrow in the back, that was totally on Milrow. You, you've got to either roll away from it, get rid of the ball or slide the coverage to the left. Um, I, I thought the offensive line, especially when you, knew at halftime um, that the only way they were going to have a chance to win that game was to go to the air. Uh, I thought they responded well. I mean, are they where they need to be, you know, if they win the West and and go to the SEC championship game or the college football playoffs? You know, no. Um, But they're, they're starting to make progress. I like the fact that, you know, Pritchett can come in and there's not a drop off. Um, you know, there, there's, you know, multiple people getting reps and experience. So for, for what they had to face, um, I, I thought it was a big improvement for the offense in general, because I think everybody in the country, including a, um, a numb nut like Tim Brando could have told you this time last week that Alabama wasn't going to be able to run the football on that front seven and they couldn't. So, you know, they, they were able to take advantage of that Texas A&M weakness on their defense, which was the secondary. And, um, you know, there were some really good things. I, I thought the pass um, that Milrow threw with, with, within a second of getting hit on the touchdown pass on a flag route uh, to Burton was a big-time throw. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there, there's, there's still a lot of improvement that needs to be made. But on that stage, I thought he grew up yesterday as a quarterback. Um, so, you know, it, it was, um, especially in the second half, I mean, I I thought it was a pretty dominating performance by the defense. Um, and, and, you know, they, they passed the test and without the mistakes, the penalties, um, you know, and some other stuff, it could have been a lot worse, um, on the scoreboard for, for, you know, Alabama in, in a positive way, they should have scored more points than they did, but, it just was great, like you said, Drew. I'm not going to sit here and say that I saw John Copeland and, and Eric Curry on that defensive line yesterday, but, man, they they were absolutely bringing it, um, just totally stuffed out the run, um, you know, just, you know, nasty pressure. 
um, on, on Max Johnson all afternoon. I'm sure that young man's soaking in an ice bath as we speak. Uh, but I, I, I was very pleased with the overall performance of the defense and then the second half from the offense. Yeah, no question about that. I think, you know, I thought Tommy Rees really did a great job. I know you were asked a question on Twitter if, about Rees figuring out how to use Milrow's strengths. I mean, I think it's still a work in progress, but certainly I think he and Milrow, uh, you know, certainly made some adjustments at halftime, and he was able to get Milrow in a rhythm with a short passing game, short and intermediate game. We were questioning it, and I know I was, about if he could throw the ball accurately, consistently like that, but he did. Uh, we should build his confidence, no doubt about it. I think they've still got to continue to get him better as far as using his legs. I thought he should have used his legs more in this past game. But, again, you can't argue very much with what he did in the game. Uh, he, he hit the one or less turnover mark that I thought they needed to hit. Now, they lost the turnover battle 2-1, to one, uh, but they still – uh, you know, uh, you were able to, uh, you know, he was able to account for three touchdowns. Uh, I said it would need to be two to three going into the game. Only thing he just didn't do as much with his legs as I thought he would do. But he threw for 300 yards. He had the 20 completions. I said he needed. He had 21. Uh, there's just not too much to be, you know, uh, you know, at, missed about with Milrose's performance. You had, I just give him credit. I mean, he certainly earned it. He's QB one. Now he's got a continue to build on it, and Tommy Reese does too. Uh, now they have to figure out a way to get the running game going uh, in the future, but of course, that front for A&M had a lot to do with it. Uh, before I go to Thomas, though, William, I wanted to ask you one question. I know, and I agree with you on a couple of those procedure penalties that were ticky-tack. I thought their nose guy was maybe, you know, doing some things and was uh, kind of moving and shifting and probably should have been called for a couple of, and you know, uh, encroachment penalties, but was not. But several of those were legit, I mean, uh, procedural penalties for Alabama. In your mind, what does Alabama need to do to completely turn, you know, clean that up and, and, and put that in the, in the rear view? Because if they're going to win an SEC title and they're going to have a chance to get to the playoff, they've got to cut out a lot of that pre-snap stuff, William, that's setting them behind the chains. Well, there's a couple things that, that, that I noticed yesterday and I may have missed them leading up to this, but but it looked to me like, number one, Seth McLaughlin has changed his grip on how he's snapping the football. That's the first thing. Uh, the second thing was um, that Booker was, uh, you know, turning around and looking and, and communicating with other people. And I saw him on multiple occasions tap Seth on the ass. I guess they were running a silent count. And, you know, after he would get the tap from Booker, he would snap the ball. Now, a lot of that may have been due to the crowd noise. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's concerning to me that the, the false starts um, are still a problem. Because, um, you know, you saw how that really stymied Alabama's offense last year at Knoxville. Now, they won't have to deal with that um, with, with Tennessee and LSU. Um, you know, coming to, to Bryant Denny this year, but it, it's just something that, and, and you know, um, you know, Proctor's a new starter. Um, you know, uh, seventy-seven. That was his first start. You know, that that's gonna happen. It's just when you get a, a snowball effect, and they're, you know, getting five plus of them a game. Uh, you know, luckily they're only five-yard penalties, but you know, it's something that that can really during the course of the game, sometimes it looks worse than it is in the final outcome. 
But when you've got a quarterback that's still developing and, and trying to progress, you, you really don't want to do anything to try and, you know, make a negative play, um, you know, before the ball's even snapped and, and move the yardstick, uh, you know, back further than it already was. But um, to me, that was the, the two things that I noticed more than – well, the three things. You know, 77 played better than I was expecting. And two, um, you know, McLaughlin has changed his grip on how he's snapping the football. And and I've seen NFL teams do this, you know, in crowd noise situations because it's easier for the guard to turn around and, you know, communicate with the quarterback versus the center being able to do it. Um, you know, I've seen that done on the NFL level before, but especially at Alabama, that's the first time I've ever noticed it. And, um, you know, we'll have to see if maybe that's the solution. But they're not going to be, uh, you know, outside of, you know, having to go to Auburn, there's really not a lot of crowd noise um, situations left for them, you know, because the crowd at Bryant Denny is going to quiet down for them when they're on offense. Yeah, it really will, no doubt about it. And uh, Thomas, I'll bring you into the conversation. Uh, what stood out to you most about the performance? Because I know, uh, you know, we we were, uh, I, we I think William and I we 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 picked Alabama uh, last week, but it was we were hesitant with it. I know you liked A and M. You you were worried about the matchup. Uh, what what did you think uh, about the performance overall? Well, I think you saw a coalescing of an identity uh, this past weekend against Texas A&M. And the, the way that happened was not just we're going to run into a brick wall over and over and over. It was actually we can change our pitch. It, you know, Texas A&M's defensive front, as we said last weekend, is – Excellent. I mean, probably by pure star ratings, the best, you know, 1 to 12 in college football. There was a running joke uh, amongst some friends of ours, Drew and William, that Texas A&M needs to run a 9-2 defense to get those guys on the field to leverage their talent properly. Now, that's, of course, ridiculous, but it's a running joke for a reason. But being able to change your pitch, running wasn't working. The, the Alabama offensive line was not able to get movement. I thought they'd get a little more than they did, but, well, okay, they didn't. But instead of continuing to do that, which, frankly, I think Bill O'Brien would have done, Alabama changed. They hit the short. They hit the intermediate. They hit the long. But they really almost reset the entire offense to a circumstance that we haven't seen this offense do this year. Uh it was it was stunning how well it worked was was great and you know what did we really want to see from this team and what did we think that Alabama would have to be in order to be successful and it would be complimentary yes i completely understand the penalties thing as a headache and i'm there like i it makes me want to you know take a long walk off a short pier but the offense was able to give the defense a lead and the defense was able to give the offense the opportunity to get a lead. And then as the pressure kept coming up, Alabama stayed at that level of excellence and A&M dropped off. One of the wilder things that I saw was the A&M offensive line for as good as the A&M front was, the A&M offensive line needs to light that film on fire now and get the uh, damn marshmallows because that was not a fun second half for those guys at all. 
everybody failed along that offensive line for the Texas A&M Aggies. And that's, you know, Alabama just never stopped coming. Four sacks in the fourth quarter along with a safety? Hell yeah, I'll take that. And so the big thing is, what does it mean moving forward? Well, do I think Jalen Milrow needs to throw for 320 yards a game moving forward, you know, as against Arkansas, against Tennessee, against LSU, against Auburn, against maybe Georgia in the SEC title game? No, I hope he doesn't have to, but he can. So that means that teams have to prepare for that. They have to prepare for the running game. And for all of the much maligned Alabama offensive line and run blocking, I thought their pass blocking was pretty good as Tommy Reese leaned more into the quick game. So for me, it's a coalescing of identity. Alabama's going to keep coming. They're going to keep plugging away. They're going to keep trying new stuff. And they're going to keep playing at a high level, particularly defensively, where if you are unable as an opposing team to maintain that elite level of play, you're going to get snowed under. It's inevitable. And that's very comforting because one of the things, you know, we did say was a crosswords game, as you said, Drew. Well, Alabama just walked into the toughest environment they're going to be in for the rest of the year and won by six. They probably should have won by 14. Let's just be honest. The blindside block by the rule, yes, it was a penalty. But for the love of God, you want to talk about the way it came off just being absolutely ridiculous. That game's over if Chris Braswell's touchdown stands. Well, Alabama still held it down. That's fine. But, you know, Alabama passed their toughest test. And nobody, including Kentucky, which Kentucky is painfully overrated. Oh, my gosh. It makes me want to scream whenever you talk to me about that team. I'm just kind of like, okay, I look at someone who wants to talk to me about Kentucky. I'm like, I'm just going to violently shake you until you stop asking me stupid questions. How does that sound? Because that is a stupid question. But let's take a deep breath. Alabama passed their toughest test on the road against a very, very talented front. The only front that's even in the same orbit as Texas A&M's would be a rematch against Texas. I don't buy Georgia's front. Maybe you want to play around with Michigan's front. They might be in the same breath there too. But I don't know what to say about Michigan because they're beating the crap out of bad teams. Congratulations. Like, do, do, do you want to pat on the head? I've watched Alabama do that for 15 years. So, you know, I think you saw a coalescing of identity. You saw a continuation of the no-quit attitude. And now Alabama can change their pitch. And what does that mean? It means you don't just have to put eight guys in the box. It means that you have to prepare for multi-level attack patterns in the passing game. And what is, you know, how does that play up going forward? Well, we saw what Alabama saw, the Alabama offensive staff saw against Mississippi State. Because of the nature of their defense, they can run on those guys. And Alabama just ran the ball down Mississippi State's throat. Now, should they have thrown more? Okay, maybe. But then you get into the Texas A&M game. And Alabama couldn't run the ball down A&M's throat. So we're going to change and we're going to pass to the tune of 300 yards from the quarterback, which probably should have been more if you, you know, as the quarterback continues to lock in. That's a hard, that's now a hard offense to prepare for 
with this defense that if you give them an inch, they're going to take a mile. The amount of confidence I have coming out of this game, I think Alabama's going to smoke Arkansas. I think Tennessee wants no part of what Alabama's bringing in a couple of weeks. And this LSU team, they'll make some yards and some points against Alabama. But I'm not sure that Hoover High School doesn't have a better defense than this LSU Tigers group <laughs> as we stand. Because those guys, I'm just going to say it, they suck. They're they bad, bad. They Ed Orgeron 2020 bad. And they're not going to get better. You know, Brian Kelly has banked a ton of credit off of that win against Alabama last year. And I bet that guy wants a refund with how bad the LSU defense is. So suddenly the schedule opens up. This team is coming together. There is zero quit in them. And I am exalted, just over the moon, at how Alabama came through this and how it looks now as we move forward, Drew. Yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a heck of a win. It was, uh, I think, the best uh, performance of the year. And then when you consider the environment, and then, you know, they, they didn't play a great first half, but they did play their best second half of the year. And the, what I took out of it is they proved they could win. You know, William gave uh, Jaden Roberts a B minus. I would say overall it was a B performance from Alabama. Uh, they've got to cut the penalties out. They've got to, you know, cut out the drops. And certainly need to, uh, you know, attack the running game a little bit differently. But uh, when you th- when you think about it in its totality, I think that the thing that I took away from it was great win for Alabama. Some great perform- performances individually. But this team can get better. And I think Nick Saban can preach that in practice. And and that's something to look forward to with what could with the challenges down the road. But I think no doubt this Alabama team uh, can improve and get better. And I think, William, to me, that's the most exciting, exciting thing about this group is uh, the, 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 the future. Because I think this season uh, it was an eye opener yesterday, no doubt about it. But then you start thinking about the way you already mentioned the defense getting better. If the offense can start and continue to improve and, you know, this passing game keeps evolving and the running game gets rolling again. This Alabama team with the special teams, they've got even without Burnham for probably through the bye week. Uh, I think they've got a, they've got a really shot to be a really good team. And, and they're very fortunate to have a guy like Will Reichert uh, who came in cold and did a good job punting yesterday. Yeah, no doubt. He's, uh, he's been, well, both the, the punter and the kicker both just been great all year. Um, you know, and I, I was looking at some stuff before we started talking, and I was like, well, you know, Arkansas's got four losses. This is their bowl game. Um, there could be a dangerous team. And then I started digging a little bit harder, and I was like, no, no, they're, they're, they're not. <laughs> but, you know, what I would really like to see, you know, and I, and I do, I think Alabama just is a nightmare matchup for K.J. Jefferson and that offense. Um, you know, they're they're so just – extremely talented um, at, at, at outside linebacker and inside linebacker. I think they're going to be able to take him and his, and his wheels out of the game. Um, but, but I, I would really like to see Tommy Reese um, use this game. Um, you know, if you're, if you're up by 14 at halftime, just, just take the, the second half and don't even give Jalen Milrow the option of throwing deep balls. Um, you know, let's work on the slant game. Let's work, uh, you know, on the middle of the field game, 10 yards down the field. Um, you know, get you throwing the ball to the backside of the backfield. Let's get him comfortable 
and, and let him improve on the stuff that he does need to work on. It's pretty obvious right now that he doesn't need to work on the deep ball. And, um, you know, kind, kind of use it as a, um, you know, a, a warm-up for the things that they're going to be able to, uh, you know, work on during the bye week. And, and uh, you know, I think the bye week really is coming at a great time for this team. Um, there's a, um, you know, a lot of stuff, especially just the rest aspect of it and getting to be able to go home for the weekend and, you know, get away from football for three days will really help these kids. Um, but, yeah, I think there's a, um, you know, I'm not going to take it as far as some people have, as far as, you know, I still don't trust this team. Um, and there's a lot of that sentiment still out there. And I think it's because of the slow starts offensively in the first half. But um, I, I, I just, you know, there, there's something fundamentally wrong with you if you can't, you know, uh, you know, give Jalen Milrow and that offense credit for what they did in the second half um, yesterday because it, it, it was a big step forward, in my opinion. And, you know, I just want to see them get better, um, you know, at the things that they need to. And, if, man, if they can do that, if they can, you know, displace Arkansas, which I'm not worried about them doing, and, you know, get into that off week and get the, the, the minor injuries, you know, healed up. I mean, I think it's great news that, you know, you know, Malachi Moore, after not being able to put, you know, any weight on his lower body, um, that that just turned out to be a, you know, he, he may not be available for Arkansas, but it's no, nowhere near as bad as everybody thought it was during the course of the game, which that's, that's, might be just as good a news as coming out of College Station with the win. Um, but, you know, I, I thought guys, you know, kind of came in there and got some reps. Um, you know, they're, they're continuing to build depth. I, you know, I, I still think, and I understand why they're doing it, because, you know, Marshall is a cerebral guy in there just like Lawson. But I, I still want to see more of Jihad Campbell at inside linebacker. Um, you know, Drew, I mean, Thomas, we – you know, uh, we, we all kind of have to eat a little bit of crow with the way we thought this game might go uh, from a win. And I know I've already mentioned Kevin Steele numerous times, but I, I got to hand it to our pal Freddie Roach. Um, somebody's doing some D-line developing this season. I'm, I'm assuming it's him, but that, that bunch has come a long way, um, you know, since the beginning of September. And, you know, it's it, – and I think Thomas is – uh, spot on um, that 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 Texas A&M offensive line has just got to be demoralized um, after after the way that second half panned out. I mean, it was just. I mean, Max Johnson's probably got PTSD. Yeah. Uh, he had no he had no time. Uh, whether it was Bobby Petrino or um, you know, really and truly, and that's been Alabama's defensive nemesis since 2007 I mean outside of sliding the H back and getting the tight ends open on uh you know some misdirection pass plays um you know I thought Alabama's defense did a good job against the pass as well but um I think they really are sitting in a um you know kind of the catbird seat here for the second half of the season um you know I think there's you know two teams in there Kentucky certainly isn't one of them um you know, the, the pressure is probably going to be on the defense to keep Jalen Daniels under control versus LSU. But like Thomas said, that LSU defense is as bad as I've ever seen. Um, I, I got to watch 
Um, in fact, yesterday might have been the best 11 o'clock football game lineup I've seen in years. Um, you know, with, with LSU, Missouri, um, Texas, Oklahoma, and, and little baby Tua in Maryland gave uh, Ohio State all they wanted for three quarters. Um, so, but, I, you know, I think if, if Steele can come up with a good plan of, you know, keeping busted plays and, and, and Jaden Daniels from improvising, Alabama should be able to score points against LSU. That, that Like I said, that there were times yesterday that I thought that LSU defense was just going to lay down and quit. Yeah, I mean, uh, they definitely uh, – LSU uh, is a lead offensively, but they do have some uh, work to do on D, no question about that. Uh, and uh, they, I thought that they would win the game, but, you know, Mizzou uh, gave them all they wanted. But I, I kind of figured that LSU would have too much offense for Missouri. Missouri played hard, but just couldn't, uh, couldn't uh, you know, uh, win the ball game. And, and then I thought, look, man, I like Mark Stoops. I've com- I've complimented him. They don't have a damn quarterback. I didn't know that it would be as one-sided as it was, but I felt like they'd get their ass whipped by Georgia. Kirby's not going to lose a one-dimensional team. That's what Kentucky is. You know, this Devin Leary, he makes you know, Will Levis look like Joe Montana. I mean, come on. This is just they're not very good at the quarterback position. That's what's going to really hamstring them. So that Missouri-Kentucky game coming up is going to be really interesting. Uh, but I, I got to say this, too. Uh, even though Alabama did have the uh, the blindside block call that was very shaky, hey, a football, it's funny how the game has a way of working itself out because if near the end of the ball game, Alabama's trying to run the clock out. Uh, I, now, I know Milroe had the un, – the, I'm sorry, William, I know how much you like him, and I like the guy, but from this point forward, Plays like what Milro did with that inexplicable screen pass or quick out, you know, just quick throw when they should have been down in it. That's called a crystal ball from now on. After what I saw last night in Miami, after the way they lost that game. I well, mean, Drew, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a different slant on that. Okay. And I thought it was actually progress for Milro. If gotcha. you'll go back and look, if he doesn't choke on the throw that play goes for 30 yards. There was nobody lined up. It was a touchdown. The- it, it was yeah, a touchdown. It's simple. You know, I'm old ding, I'm old ding Milrow for a lot of stuff, but that was progress. In my opinion, you know, you just can't one hop to throw, but he, you know, he saw it, you know, maybe, you know, somebody on the sideline saw it, but if you go back and I, I you know, I was pissed off just like, you know, you are now when it happened live last night, but, man, after I watched the replay, I mean, that was one of those deals where I was like, hell, he would have never have seen that two weeks ago. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, and it, it just it still was mystifying because they just needed to down the ball. I know uh, certainly it would have been a touchdown for um, uh, Malik Benson, I'm very likely, but uh, it still was just uh, surprising because – and, I, and I, look, I got to give, uh, you know, Milrow credit the play before and – uh, you know, certainly, uh, you know, Jace McClellan, because when I saw the play happen originally, I thought, OK, he got it off. Yes, but certainly his knee had to be down. That's going to be blown dead upon review. And then when I saw the replay, I just started laughing. I was like, that's the football gods right there, because he bobbles it. By the time he catches it, he's up off the ground and he runs for the first down. 
and that was going to allow Alabama to run the clock out. And the way Jace was reacting, he knew. And so it was a it was one of those things where you sometimes you get a bad break early in a game, but then it kind of all evens out. And that certainly was a huge break for Alabama and allowed them uh, to run out the clock and and uh, get out of there, get out of College Station with a 26 to 20 win. I mean, no doubt about that. So, and, but I was going to ask you, William, about we kind of mentioned the injuries. I guess it does sound like an ankle or maybe a high ankle sprain for Malachi. We'll see how much time he misses. Uh, we got Lawson back last night and I, and yesterday, and I thought he was pretty good. Uh, certainly not 100 percent yet. But they ended up moving Terry on to star. Trey Amos flipped to, to the corner spot. They used Christian Story yesterday in the defensive backfield. That's kind of going more to your point about developing depth. But uh, what are your thoughts on if Alabama has to go with that lineup, maybe even through the Tennessee game and get to the bye? I, I think, uh, um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, you know, it lost and, you know, missed two games. Um, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how that works out. And, and I just like the fact that, you know, especially get up against Arkansas, um, the, 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 they've still got some, some guys on the offensive side of the football that I'd like to see them, you know, get more involved. I mean, Ja'Cory Brooks, you know, Kendrick Law, um, you know, they were pretty, you know, just first and second running back heavy yesterday in the running back room. Um, so, you know, they're still – weapons on the offensive side of the ball um that that you know they can they can unleash on people but i think they're so deep drew back there um you know especially with you know having those transfer guys like amos and key come in um you know there's uh you know some other guys you know earl little's a guy that might could factor in back there as well that i'm not really that concerned about it um i, I just think that uh you know, Kevin Steele has injected some some old school toughness, uh, some intensity, and you know I, I think this, uh, this you know this Arkansas game is a chance for them to experiment a little bit on both sides of the ball. Um, but you know I, I think if they can get back to full speed by Tennessee, um, that's not looking near like the um, challenge that it was back in September. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, and that, that's a good point, uh, no doubt. And that's an interesting take on Milrow and the progress. And he definitely made progress in this game, no question about it. Uh, I'm anxious to see how he continues to grow. Uh, I think we, you know, we we now understand that he is QB1 all the way, should be, and Alabama's going to get as far as uh, that he can take them. Uh, but the, the rest of the crew needs to grow, too. Uh, I'd like to see Kendrick Law start getting more involved as a receiver. For whatever reason, this has been a lost year so far for Ja'Cory Brooks. We'll see if he gets involved. But certainly, uh, Burton had his best performance. Uh, you know, Bond has been good. We've seen some flashes from Nye Black. Uh, you know, not a lot out of Dupree so far, but that could still change as well. I think he's another guy that could be a weapon. Malik Benson as well. But, this offense still has a, chan a chance to grow and expand, and that excites me uh, with the challenges they have, you know, left. And certainly, uh, you know, LSU is going to be a, a, a tough one offensively, a tough matchup uh, in Bryant-Denny Stadium in a few weeks. L uh, Tennessee, but I think they're both very winnable games. Uh, they've got to focus on Arkansas first. 
I, you know, I'm like William. I've looked at Arkansas. I've watched them play a few times. I know Thomas has. We both, uh, you know, are all, I think all three of us. Uh, I know Alabama's a, I guess, a, what, a, Thomas, I think you said an 18, 19 point favorite or whatever early. Uh, I would probably lay the points right now. I'd probably say like a 37 to 10 type game is what I expect it to be. Uh, I know Arkansas will probably empty the tank, but I still think Alabama's much, much better. Now, they're a little banged up, and it's an 11 a.m. kick, uh, but hopefully, you know, they'll, they, uh, with the, the offensive line, you know, Alabama's has received some criticism, but Arkansas is horrendous. And so hopefully Alabama will take advantage of that. And, and then hopefully also Arkansas's defense has competed, but I think they can get the, they can get some stuff going. I thought Ole Miss would move the ball better than they did, but they kind of wore them down as the game went on. Hopefully Alabama will control the line of scrimmage and have some balance and be able to run the football. But I just think right now uh, Alabama's in a much better place than Arkansas is. There's a lot of you know, uh, you know heat coming on just Sam Pittman. I don't think he's in trouble for this year, but Going into next year, I think he's going to have a hot seat. And I just think it's a good matchup for Alabama. And hopefully uh, they can, you know, like William said, I'd like to see them work on some things with Milrow. Uh, you know, I you use the zone read, get him more adept at that, use his legs. And then also, again, that short intermediate passing game, spray the ball around like kind of like they did. And hopefully they can get a big win over the Hogs. And one more thing, Drew, before Thomas jumps in, I just uh, came across this, and I think it's you know worth mentioning because he was, you know, I think a little underwhelming last year under uh, Wild Turkey. But after yesterday's game against Texas A&M, Dallas Turner leads the SEC in sacks, and he's tied for third in the country. Oh, nice. He's he's got I think six and a half. He's having a hell of a year, and Braswell's having a hell of a year. I mean, come on, I mean, yes. both those guys are really bringing it. Uh, no doubt about it. Getting Lawson back is going to be tremendous. Uh, he was I, I I enjoyed him. I mean, he jumped Dallas Turner on that illegal, uh, you know, the blindside block, and was like, hey man, you just can't be doing that stuff. We've got to execute, and it's taking points off the board. He's trying to be a leader back there, which I appreciate. And I'll just say this, and I, I'm going to piggyback on what William said. Kevin Steele, he's done a great job. I think him, you know, I think T-Rob is calling the defense. I saw, I've been told that by somebody that would know very, very well. And I, and I don't mind it. I don't, I don't, it doesn't bother me because I like the fact that Steele's an overseer. Uh, I think he's putting a foot up Roach's ass to get this D-line going. And whatever's working is working. Because the D-line looks, you know, much, much better, even like William said, since early in September. Uh, I think the defense looks much more harmonious. I think Steele's doing a great job of making sure everybody's on the same page and playing hard. Uh, you know, I, I talked to one of William's former teammates this week, and the, the thing he told me in his office is he said, they're hitting. He said, everybody's hitting, and they're playing with an edge. And we haven't seen that for several years, Thomas, and – I think that's big for this defense going forward because the defense is starting to kind of define this team along with Milrose Grove. Well, so I have to announce we at BAMS Radio, we have bought a truckload of crow. Uh, William, Drew, and I will be enjoying ours because we have been critical of certain players, including Jalen Milrow, and we have been shown to be 
incorrect, but we got plates of crow for folks that have chewed on Holman Wiggins. And we got plates of crow for folks that have chewed on Tommy Reese. And we got plates of crow for folks that have chewed on the Alabama defense. And since we have so much crow, we even sprang for ranch dressing if you're not a hot sauce person. So come on, get you a plate. It's okay. We're all going to eat it together. We're good. But to your point, you know, this defense, this defense is led or this defense leads the Alabama team. You know, they're going to hold it down. They're going to keep it, keep it close and let the offense figure it out. And that's what I was saying with the pitch change. One of the things we haven't talked about is under Bill O'Brien and Pete Golding, Alabama loses that game yesterday because adjustments were few and far between. And, you know, Tommy Reese was just like, okay, this doesn't work. We're going to go short to intermediate. How many times has Jalen Milrow gone, let's throw short and intermediate, and it not been a flaming disaster? You know, spoiler alert, it's zero before yesterday. The defense kept playing. Happy days. Now, shifting forward, looking at this Arkansas game, um, you said that Sam Pittman shouldn't be on the hot seat. I actually disagree. This Arkansas team is actively bad. They are two and four overall, and they are worse than their record shows. I don't know how that's possible in high-level college football, but it's true. Yes, they sort of kind of sort of hung around with Texas A&M, but realized the 34-22 was with a pick six off Max Johnson. But, and okay, maybe you want to give him credit for Ole Miss, but no, no, hush, go away. So I think this Arkansas team, you know, the line, as, I, as you said, Drew, was you know, three touchdowns. I think that's low. I think Alabama is going to do some bad, bad things to this Arkansas group. The the Arkansas offensive line is 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 just again continuing our LSU defense Hoover High School metaphor. I'm not sure the Hoover <laughs> High School defense couldn't get pressure on KJ Jefferson because the Arkansas Razorbacks offensive line has really taken a step back. And I think this game at the end of the day is going to be very similar to what we saw against Texas A&M. Arkansas come out and have some early success and, you know, I don't know how much early success they'll have, you know, maybe a couple of solid drives, et cetera, et cetera. And Alabama will end up stymieing that. And then suddenly as the time of possession continues to tilt towards Alabama, because I don't think the Arkansas defense scares anybody because really you look at it, they're, they're good at stopping the pass. They're bad at, uh, stopping the run, you know, based on my read of it. So suddenly Alabama is going to be able to do what they did against Mississippi State. You know, give me, I think in the back of my head I have 41-17. I think it's going to be very similar to Mississippi State. And it could get out of hand fast. I, I, I just don't think Arkansas is very good. I think this Alabama coaching staff and this Alabama football team have really come together and they lean on each other and they're able to get stuff done. And I, I just like Arkansas, like, again, I'm a big guy now about stats on paper, you know, like show me what you've done through five weeks or through six weeks. And I'll look into why when you run the math, if the math don't make sense, 
And I did that last week because on paper A&M was better than Alabama. And the difference was A&M had a penchant to turn the ball over more than Alabama did. Now, if you want to make the A&M-Alabama off the game more impressive, A&M won the turnover battle and still lost the game. Like, that's pretty wild. So I wouldn't have picked that in a million years once you got into the stats. But looking at Arkansas in paper, their offense is just awful. I'm sorry. They're just awful. They're only, their one stat is passing yards per attempt, which they're 50th. Everything else is worse than that. So wrap your head around that, football fans. You look at their defense. Uh, they're in the, you know, 40s for rushing yards. But when you actually do some stuff with opponent adjustments, they're in the 80s, which is terrifying. So I think Alabama is going to romp Arkansas. The key next week is coming out healthy because, as you have said, you know, Tennessee is – Tennessee is living off 35-year-old quarterbacks last year, and that person is no longer on the roster. But they've done it. They've beaten Alabama once. They're going to think they can do it again. And that offensive scheme is trouble. Just ask Texas. Jeff Levy essentially did what to Texas what Josh Heupel is going to want to do to Alabama in two weeks. So you want to talk about a perfect Arkansas game, Drew? Uh, the coaching staff uh, – comes together, does their thing, figures it out, gets a big win, and then rolls into Tennessee healthy. And, uh, again, hit us up on Twitter, at BAMS Radio. We do have a few questions we can go over at the end of the show. But uh, we've got Crow. Believe me, William Drew and I have already eaten ours. We got the hot sauce. It's a thing. A few folks, you know who you are. Come get your plate. It's okay. No, no one's going to hate you for it. Just own it and move on. But, yeah, big BAM will win against Arkansas, Drew. Well, William, before we answer the questions, I know you kind of referenced it, but you said you delved into Arkansas a little bit. But so obviously, you think this is going to uh, Alabama's got a chance to uh, get a big win on Saturday. Yeah, I do. I think it's going to be a, a forty-two to ten type type win, and and if the offensive scoring is higher than that on Alabama's uh, side, I won't be surprised. Um, it's just kind of like Thomas referenced. I mean, it's a um, I'm not ready to call it a train wreck yet, but it's it's trending that way for Arkansas. And uh, I, I would, while Thomas was talking and, and you know bringing up the plates of crow, um, you know another plate, and I'm glad I have to eat it because um, he was one of our favorite whipping boys um, last year and and you know over the summer. Um, but outside linebacker coach Coleman Hutzler. Um, you know, whether it's the Kevin Steele influence, whether he's, you know, starting to come into his own, you know, he coaches the outside linebackers and the special teams units. And uh, they're both performing at a really, really high level right now. Um, I mean, you're, you're talking about, uh, you know, Dallas Turner. I don't think there's any surprise there, but just in his first year as a full-time starter, um, you know, Chris Braswell, um, is, is just got cash register uh, dings going off in the back of his mind right now because he is rapidly rising up um, the, the NFL draft boards right now. Um, you know, if, if that penalty didn't take place yesterday, um, you know, that's that's two touchdowns. Um, and, and that's when you, you start really getting excited about, um, you know, a, a defense or a special teams 
Um, you know, they had a safety yesterday. They had a, you know, a, a field goal block that was taken away from them for a touchdown. Braswell had to pick six last week. Um, you know, that that's a guy, uh, you know, in Hutchler um, that, that I've certainly not been real pleased with, but he's, he's probably gotten me going back to the, the all-you-can-eat uh, fire pit roasted crow buffet and getting a second place. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you got to give Hutzler credit. Uh, Roach to a degree, too. I mean, those guys, the D-line and the outside backers, have been bringing it the last couple of weeks, no question about it. Um, uh, you know, and we haven't seen a ton of Coot and a ton of Q-Rob, but they've done some good things, too. But those two guys, and hell, let's let's give credit to Braswell. That was a hell of a block, and then to, to scoop it up in the same motion and then run it for a touchdown, that's a hell of a damn athletic play. and. He's a former five-star guy from St. Francis in Baltimore that waited his turn, and certainly it's and, – and then, by the way, I thought he got another BS call when he tapped the quarterback on the helmet, and they called yes. him like a, a, a roughing the pass or bullshit call. I mean, we I've been having some tweets at us, you know, as we're doing this show, and I, for, somebody said that – I and I didn't know if it was for sure. They said it was the same crew that – uh, you know, it was the Tennessee, the Tennessee uh, Alabama game a year ago, and I said, "Oh, okay, wow." And then I was told, "But no, it was not. It was the same one that that uh, officiated our Middle Tennessee State game." And I said, "Well, I appreciate the the clarification, but it just means there's two horrendous crews now in this league, and the officiating has got to get better because I just, you know, I felt like it was one sided. Alabama certainly, uh, you know, did have some self inflicted wounds, but they've got to work on some of this stuff." Hopefully they will, but I just thought the guys played with a lot of toughness and grit and and uh, and, and pluck and because I mean I, they overcame it all. They just kept playing. You just got to keep playing. Uh, they certainly did that. And that safety that they got after the play was caught, you know the uh, the touchdown was called back. That ended up being a huge play in the game because it gave Alabama a nine point lead, and it was just something that A and M couldn't overcome. And so. I, I got to give the D-line, the outside backers, a lot of credit. I mean, that uh, – William, you'll get a good laugh out of this. Our good mutual friend Clint Legg called me right after the game and uh, was still going crazy over that the, – the play before the safety where Tim Keenan and uh, and, and a boy ran over the center and guard and said he made his friends rewind it twice so he could watch it <laughs> two more times. And so uh, – because he's a big line guy, as you know. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me coming from Coach Leg. And, and like I said, you know, if, if you are a line of scrimmage, you know, fan, there's a lot, lot of us out there. I mean, yesterday there was a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff to be excited about and, you know, some stuff that needs to be improved on. But um, and, and going back to Braswell for a minute, um, you know, that, that pick six that he had against Mississippi State last week was one hell of an athletic play. And, um, you know, and, and, you know one other thing, too, that goes along with that outside linebacker room, um, and I love seeing this. They, they did it with, with Jihad Campbell, and, you know, now they're, um, you know, experimenting with another former five-star edge rusher uh, and Jeremiah Alexander moving inside the inside linebacker. You know, I, I like seeing them looking for places to play, um, you know, talented players. You know, that, that outside linebacker room um, is, is just ridiculous. And, uh, you know, with Lawson leaving after this year, um, you know, that, that might be a space where, you know, 
Jeremiah can find a home and, you know, get on the field quicker than he can with that stacked outside linebacker run. Yeah, very well good. Well, Thomas, I know you said we had some questions. What were the questions we needed to answer? Sure. So uh, this comes from Twitter. Uh, and if you want your question, you can jump to the front of the line. Support us on Patreon. We've gotten another big donation. We thank you. You know who you are. I'm not going to name names. But, you know, we always try and take questions before on Twitter, or you can send me at Thomas H. Watts a DM. Uh, during the week, if you do decide to support us, I'm in a group text with Drew and William, so we can get you an answer pretty fast. But uh, this comes from Twitter, and uh, this is Drew. I'll kick it to you. Uh, do you feel Reese has figured out how to use J Jalen Milrow's strengths after the Texas A&M game? Well, I mean, it's a work in progress. I mean, you know, he's still learning the personnel. It's his first year, but I think certainly he and, he and uh, Milrow made some progress uh, this week. Uh, they, they, I think he did a great job of getting Milrow comfortable in the second half with the quick passing game, and Milrow uh, did his job, went out there and threw the ball well. And certainly, I think the next step, I've already said it in the show, is to get Milrow to use his legs a little bit more. Uh, and then, like William said, on that on that hot, you've got to ch you got to you know adjust. You've got to adjust to it. You've got to go to your hot guy. You've got to get rid of the football quickly, not take that kind of unnecessary hit. Though I will say, to kind of define, uh, you know, Milrow in the game, I thought he bounced back really well. Uh, Alabama luckily recovered it. It kind of reminded me of Jalen Hurts in the 2016 Ole Miss game, but that turned into a touchdown for Ole Miss, but Hurts bounced right back. Certainly Milrow did too, but I think Reese is getting more comfortable with this personnel. Uh, and now they just have to keep building on it. And he's got to, you know, Milrow's got to continue to evolve as a passer and runner and, and become the ultimate weapon for this offense. Because, like I said, I think he is the best, uh, most talented player. Uh, and this is not a dominant, you know, offensive line right now. It's get, The, the O-line's getting better. Running game's got to improve. But I think, you know, Milrow and his ability as a dual-threat player is what's going to define the rest of this season. Well, let, let me just give some color to that, and then, William, you can answer as well. I, I think it is more on Reese utilizing personnel, but I think the, the natural inclination of Alabama fans or just football fans is why hasn't Alabama been doing this short to intermediate passing game more? And the reason that it's been a struggle session is the last time Alabama tried to go this way was really against the Texas A&M Aggies, or Texas a Jesus, against the Texas Longhorns. Excuse me, Alabama's played too many on Texas teams. And Jalen Milrow threw a pick that you can kind of argue is excusable, even though I think it isn't. And basically the worst throw that Nick Saban's ever seen as an Alabama player. That second interception against Texas was B-A-D bad. There was nothing right that happened then. With that in mind, I think naturally coaches shy away from that. And, you know, Milrow's never done that. Maybe he's done it in practice. It hasn't been consistent enough. But backs against the wall, Jalen Milrow was able to do it. To me, I look at it much more like adding another tool to the toolkit and – you know, I think that's that's part of my crow pie thing I'm talking about. 
a lot of the criticism directed towards the offense has been trying to shield that I've seen has been trying to shield Jalen Milrow and blame Tommy Reese. I think this game puts a serious damper on that storyline. And a lot of Alabama fans need to understand that. Yes. Milrow could have done it throughout, but there's probably a reason that the coaches wanted to shy away from that because Milrow particularly during against Texas. And I think Texas left some psychological scars on a lot of this team. You know, Milrow threw a lot of interceptable balls then. And as you see the defense come together for Alabama, you, you know, you can't put the defense in first and 10 in the red zone and expect them to stop a team. But if you make, this defense. If you go on this defense and drive set, you expect drive seventy yards. You can do that, but good luck. And ironically, that's why I think some of the stuff with Jimbo Fisher, coach being out coached, just completely misses the point of game flow. But I'll leave that to to people that are a lot stupider than me to try and argue that. But William, what do you think? Do you think Reese has figured out how to use Jalen Milrow's strengths moving forward? Well, I think he's in the process of, of heading in that direction. And I, and I think, uh, you know, in, in, in a lot of instances, you know, he kind of walked into a bad situation. Um, you know, I don't think he was expecting the quarterback room to be in as disarray as it was when he got here. Um, as the season started, the offensive line uh, certainly wasn't living up to the preseason height. And, and so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult as a play caller, you know, when you've got a unit that really doesn't have something that they can hang their hat on. Um, you know, I think right now the, 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 you know, the obvious thing is, you know, the deep passing game. Um, you know, I, I would like to see, you know, Tommy maybe get a little bit more creative with some of his run calls. Um, you know, let, let's try and do some, you know, some counter stuff, um, you know, run to the outside off tackle more. Um, you know, in, in that area, but, but I think you have to give him uh, credit for, you know, where Milrow is sitting, you know, today uh, versus where he was sitting after the Texas game. Um, you know, there's, there's been obvious growth, uh, you know, maybe not as quick and, and um, as, as some of us would have liked to have seen, but, but that was obvious in the second half yesterday um, that they, they, found some things that the, the, uh, the offense could execute and, you know, execute consistently. And, you know, they just got to continue to grow. But, I, you know, I, I think a lot of times everybody wants you – know, I think Drew touched on this. Everybody wants to blame the, the coach. Um, but, you know, if you got an offensive line that's not real good at run blocking and terrible at pass blocking up to this point, um, and, and a quarterback that's – you know, having to grow up before our eyes, uh, that makes his job really, really hard. And I know he's paid a lot of money to figure it out. But, you know, that's easier, you know, said than done a lot of times. But, um, you know, as long as there's continued growth and improvement, um, you know, you've seen Alabama on the defensive side of the football cut down on all the stupid penalties that they had, you know, last season. You know, now I think that's one of the most important things, you know, going forward is, you know, if, if you pick up uh, six yards on first down and there's a, you know, illegal, you know, there's a, there's some type of offensive penalty, um, you know, that, that, that changes what he's wanting to do. If, 
if there's an illegal procedure, you know, on, on third and eight, and, you know, and all of a sudden it turns into third and 13, that's going to change what he wants to do. So, you know, there's plenty of compliments to go around, and there's also plenty of blame to pass around. But, you know, I think like we've all said, um, I think Alabama, based on the, you know, the elephant in the room, you know, this time last week, you know, I think Alabama's a lot than we were all anticipating them being. And I think that's what, yes, you want to correct the mistakes. They're all coachable moments. But, you know, at some point in time, you got to celebrate the progress and the success. And I think that's where, you know, us as fans, you know, need to be today as well. Nice. I, I totally agree with that. Thomas, if, oh, is there some more questions from Twitter? Uh, there is actually just one more, and it's from our guy, Brenton. Uh, I'm just going to give you that first name shout out. Uh, given the Texas A&M game, is this what we, you know, the three of us, expect to get out of Jermaine Burton for the rest of the season, or was it just a good matchup? Uh, and I'm not, well, and he's not saying 200 yards, but you know, 80 to 100 per game from him. Well, I mean, Coach Saban said that uh, they they pulled him out against State uh, because of a, he had a slight foot injury that they were trying to get better. I also think the kid lost his composure, and they may have been trying to trying to calm him down. But of course, yesterday once again, uh, he got a he got an unsportsmanlike penalty, and he I felt like at times he needed to tone it down yesterday. Uh, you know, woofing and talking after every play. But I'll just say this about Burton: there's some guys that's the way they get themselves going. They have to you know they have to be talking, they have to be uh, you know showing a lot of emotion, and so. That's probably, you know, why, uh, you know, he it's just the kind of player that he is. I actually thought even before the Mississippi State game when he got taken out early, he's been Alabama's best receiver. He's made a lot of big plays in games. Uh, he's already – you saw the big play he made against Texas. Uh, you know, he's made uh, – he had a, a one just off his fingertips against South Florida that, uh, of course, uh, that Buckner threw. Uh, he's made big plays already throughout the season. He did uh, against Middle Tennessee. He's been the guy so far. He's been wide receiver number one. It started in training camp. Now, Bond has made some progress, too. I think that's your top two guys right now. Little mystified. I don't know if, you know, if, if uh, you know, I've always admired his grit and his, uh, and his style of play about Ja'Cory Brooks this year, uh, but uh, I'm hoping maybe he or Kendrick Law will join the the fun soon. We did see a little bit of Kobe Prentice yesterday making a play or two. Uh, and certainly Nye Black has been a big play guy. I've already mentioned, uh, you know, Dupree. So they have other guys that can make plays. Benson, hopefully some more of these guys are going to start getting a chance to touch the ball as hopefully this watershed game for Milrow will be something to build on where they're more confident and trusting in him throwing the football and he can start spraying the ball around. Because I, I, even though this is not the rideouts, I've always felt like this wide receiver crew was very solid. And they had two drops yesterday. But, William, as we know, for the most part, this has been a, a crew that has not dropped the ball this year and has played pretty good. No, absolutely. Um, especially based on the spring practice and fall scrimmages where the drops were an issue. Um, you know, I, I don't have as big of a problem with, with the way Burton – uh, conducts himself as some people do you know this isn't 1975 the players don't wear you know 
they're, they're not required to wear crimson blazers and ties to the games. Um, it's just a different era. And, um, you know, I think some of the vitriol that you see, uh, you know, coming out of Burton, I know a lot of people wish he would just toss the ball back to the ref and trot back to the huddle. But after two years of watching him, that's just not who he is. Um, so, you know, I, I come from the Al Davis school of thought, you know, just win, baby. Um, you know, and if that's what he needs to do to get a performance like he had yesterday, hell, I'm good with it. Um, but while we were talking or while y'all were talking, I've gone back and watched about 15 plays of 77 yesterday, and I'm changing my grade from a B minus to a B plus. He absolutely destroyed the man in front of him on multiple plays. And I'm talking Walter Nolan and Jackson. Um, so that's, that's a bright spot. I don't know how that position is going to play out going forward. Um, but I'm, I'm changing my grade on him. That is one bad potential dude right there. Well, that's some good stuff. Uh, Thomas, do you have any thoughts on Burton? Sure. So, okay. Let's take the question for what it is. Can we expect 80 to 100 yards per game? I think the answer is no, but it's not because he's not capable. And it goes back to this pitch change notion that I brought up before. There will be games where Alabama will be able to run the ball 50 times and win. And if the coaching staff wants to work on run blocking against that group and they think there's a vulnerability, that's what they're going to do. You saw it against Mississippi State. And that naturally means that Burton's opportunities will be curtailed. But if, you know, the better way I would answer your qu- the question would be, is Burton wide receiver one? I think that's pretty unequivocal. And what does it mean? It means that that's going to be the guy that draws the coverage, which will open up other stuff, which I think is great. You know, it's, it's, it's a threat on the outside, which means that other guys can eat. Other guys can feast, frankly. But as we talk about this, the other part I wanted to say, look, if you got to talk trash to get yourself tuned up, go talk trash. You know, you're when you're when you're nine for one ninety-seven and two touchdowns. Okay, you earned it. Go talk your smack. Now I will change my opinion if you know Alabama's playing, let's just say Georgia in the SEC championship game, and you have five drops, but. You know, congratulations. You've gone out. You've earned your smack-talking privileges. And I think Jermaine Burton is wide receiver one. Do I expect 80 to 100? No. But not because wide receiver – not because Jermaine Burton is bad or he just had a bad matchup. It's more that the offense has enough flexibility built into it that they'll be able to attack from a multitude of directions. And that's a good spot to be in, you know, six weeks into the season going into week seven, Drew. It is, and uh, some, we appreciate the questions from the listeners uh, on Twitter and on social media. Hope they continue, and again, we appreciate uh, the Patreon pledges of the folks that uh, really enjoy our show and are uh, been generous enough and kind enough to reward us. We hope that continues. Uh, it was a great show. Uh, I think uh, the best win of the season, certainly for Alabama, hopefully can be a watershed one and allow the tide to make a run. Uh, Certainly got to stay focused, got to continue to get healthy. As Coach Saban said, some injuries piling up, but it'll it'll create some opportunities for others. Hopefully uh, by Tennessee and then through the bye, they can get some of these back 
still be able to take care of Arkansas and, and continue to, and of course there will be no shortage of motivation, uh, you know, with the puke orange coming in uh, from uh, in two weeks after what happened last year. So certainly Alabama will be luck looking for payback just like they, uh, they uh, uh, will be uh, looking for a payback against LSU later in the year. So there's some definite uh, games. We'll have Alabama locked in. They were certainly locked in for A&M. Uh, and, uh, you know, sometimes as I, as I tweeted after the game, I, I think Anaya Smith's a hell of a player. I think he's going to make a living in the NFL for a while. But sometimes you just don't tug on Superman's cape, dude. And I think he did that a little bit, uh, you know, uh, during the week. And it provided Alabama a lot of motivation. And certainly they went out and played. And again, I, I wish Anias, you know, good luck the rest of his career. But he ends at one and four against Alabama. And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be seeing him play on Sundays. But Alabama was the better team on Saturday, the tougher team. And it was a very satisfying win. It's never, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, a bad thing to, to uh, school Jimbo Fisher and especially Bobby Petrino two people that uh, I'm definitely not a huge fan of. So big win for Alabama, and it was a great show. We appreciate everybody's support. We'll certainly be coming to you next Sunday to rehash the Arkansas game, which will be 11 a.m., folks. It'll be a brunch time start uh, for Alabama on ESPN uh, as Alabama and Arkansas will be starting early on Saturday. But for uh, William Redfish Barger, for Thomas the Wizard Watts, and for our listeners, everybody have a great rest of your Sunday and roll tide. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.